The following sermon is by Dr. Chuck Register, Interim Pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. Take your copy of God's Word and come with me to the New Testament book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3. We begin this morning a, a multi-week sermon series designed to help our pastor search team, or as we learned last week, our Follow God committee, uh, to have the best possible start they can have in searching for us, finding the man God's chosen to be our next pastor this morning. Uh, we're going to be looking at the biblical qualifications of a pastor. The scripture is very plain in pointing out for us that there are certain qualities a man must possess in order to uh, minister in the office of pastor. And so we're going to look at those biblical qualifications. And then over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to look at various roles that we find of a pastor mentioned in Scripture that he must fulfill in order to fulfill all of his ministry as prescribed by God's holy word. And so next week, uh, I plan, unless the Lord intervenes, to bring to you a sermon entitled, The Pastor as Preacher, and we're going to be looking at his responsibility in teaching God's Holy Word. As we prepare to stand in a moment to read God's Word, I, I just want to join you in rejoicing in the way the Lord moved in the hearts of our teenagers this past week at camp, to hear them give testimony of being closer to the Lord than they've ever been before should excite all of our hearts here as a family of faith. And I want us to express appreciation to Mark and our other adult leaders for pouring into our teenagers week in and week out. It's a delight to see God move in the hearts and lives of any individual, but especially those who have the rest of their life to live to bring honor and glory to the Father. Now, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? You follow along reading silently as I read aloud, beginning in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, verse 6, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Father, would you help us to understand the principles contained in this wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture written by the Apostle Paul to young Timothy? Would you help us, Father, to understand that there are qualifications contained in these verses for any man who holds the office of pastor. Would you help us, Father, to apply these verses and these principles to our search 
for the man you've chosen to come and to be our spiritual leader, to be the man who breaks the word of life to us week in and week out. And so, Father, help us today to understand this passage from 1 Timothy chapter 3. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're being seated, congregations usually have varying sets of qualifications uh, that they put together in order for the man to be their next pastor. Now, some churches are like the committee we see on the slide. This is a pastor search committee. They've gathered together. They're uh, trying to begin their work. And they come to the conclusion, basically, we're looking for an innovative pastor with a fresh vision who will inspire our church to remain exactly the same. All too often, that's all too true. We look for a young guy who's creative and innovative and has a track record of outstanding ministry. And, and when he comes, we want him to just keep everything exactly the way it's always been. Well, I think we look to Scripture today, ladies and gentlemen, and we see some different qualifications. We see some inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by the Apostle Paul to young Timothy. And these are qualifications that, that are not humorous, and they are not up for negotiation. These are qualifications that must be met. And though there are many adjectives that are used in this passage, and these adjectives many times sometimes confuse us as we look at this passage of Scripture, what I want you to hear me say today at the outset is that for a man to serve in the office of pastor, there are two basic qualifications we see in this text. We're going to look at both today. Number one is a call from God. Secondly, there must be character that counts. There is a call from God, and there must be character that counts. Come back to this text, and let's see if we can see these two aspects. First of all, these two non-negotiables, I call them. Number one, a call from God. Look with me, verse 1. Paul writes to Timothy, it is a trustworthy statement. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that phrase is used five times in the New Testament. It is a trustworthy statement. And every time we see that phrase used in the New Testament, it means what's about to follow is obvious. What's about to follow is indisputable. What Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, what I'm about to write as the qualifications for a pastor they are obvious to everyone with spiritual depth and spiritual maturity. These are not up for negotiation. They're not up for debate. They're not even up, Timothy, for discussion. These are indisputable principles from God's Word. And so to our Follow God committee this morning, we would say what we're about to study, this is the, the basis, this is the bedrock, this is the foundation upon which you begin to search for our next senior pastor. These are obvious qualifications. They are indisputable qualifications. Back to verse 1. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer. Now let's stop there and look at this word overseer for a moment. Over the next few weeks, you're going to discover that there are three words that are used in the New Testament interchangeably for the office of pastor. There's the word overseer that's used in this text. And it's used in other passages of Scripture as well that we'll see in the next few weeks. 
Then there's the word elder, or in its plural form, the word elders. That's also used multiple times in Scripture to refer to the office of pastor. Thirdly, you see the word shepherd is used in certain places in Scripture. And so I don't want you to get confused as you hear those three terms used interchangeably over the next few weeks. When you hear the word overseer, you think pastor. When you hear the word elder, you think pastor. When you hear the word shepherd, you hear the word pastor. Now let me show you one place in Scripture where all three words are used closely together. Keep your finger in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Come with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. And let's go to um, Acts. Let me find my place. I just lost my place. Come with me to Acts 20. Acts 20 verse 17. Acts 20 verse 17. Now look what scripture has to say. Verse 17, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. Now look with me, verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. There is one brief passage of scripture where all three terms are used. All three throughout the New Testament have reference to the office of pastor. Are you with me? Now let's come back to 1 Timothy. We're talking about a call from God is a basic qualification for a pastor. And it's a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, if any man aspires to this office of pastor. Now let's look at this word aspire for just a second. This word aspire means to stretch in order to reach something. It's a, it's a word that means something really is just out of your reach. And so in order, in order to reach it, because it's just out of your reach, you strain, you stretch every muscle to finally grasp it. It doesn't mean that you're able to grasp it easily. It means you're able to grasp it with exertion, with great effort. You're, you're stretching and straining forth to reach. So Paul is saying to Timothy, if any, man, if any man is stretching and straining to fulfill the office of pastor. Now with that, with that imagery in mind, come back to the verse. Let's see what Paul teaches us about this concept of aspiring. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires, if he strains, if he reaches for the office of overseer, is the fine work he desires to do. Another important word. This word desires. The word desires in the language of the first century speaks of an, of an inner compulsion, a conviction that's on the inside. It's a bedrock conviction. It's a core conviction. And it's a conviction... That, that causes you to do something. You see, the word desires there speaks of internal conviction. The word aspire speaks of external action. So let me put it all together. Here's what Paul is saying. If any man is so convicted internally that he strains in life, he does everything in life he possibly can to become a pastor. If he has a conviction within him that forces him to strain and reach for the office of pastor, Paul says that's a good thing. You know what Paul's talking about, ladies and gentlemen? He's talking about a call from God that is in the heart of the man who longs to be 
a pastor. A calling that God places there. And that calling is undeniable. And that calling then motivates a man to devote the rest of his life to serving a congregation as a pastor. What I'm saying to you this morning, Father God Committee, when you begin to look for a man to be our next pastor, you make sure that he is a man who can verbalize for you an inner conviction, an inner compulsion in his life. A call from God that forces him to do nothing else in life but to serve as a pastor of God's people. It is a call of God. Let me tell you why I see that so important. Not only do I see it in this text, but I see it from personal life experience. In the years that I taught at New Orleans Baptist Seminary for six years, I had dozens and dozens and dozens of students in every class that I taught. And throughout those classes, we would talk about the call of God upon a man's life to be a pastor. And sometimes I would talk to men and I would ask them, tell me about your call to ministry. Tell me about that moment that God convinced you that your life was to be spent in service to him, in ministry of the local church. And all too often I would get a response like the following. Well, you know, I was always active in our youth group at church. And I watched my, my student pastor, and I just admired him, and he's such a cool guy. And I just thought, wow, wouldn't it be great to just be a student pastor the rest of my life? Or I heard some people say, some students say, you know, I just want to help people. When people are hurting and people are having troubles, I, I just want to, to help them. Or I heard some students say, my grandma... My grandma used to say that one of her grandsons was going to be a preacher. And my oldest brother, he went off to the army. And my, my middle brother, he's a football coach, and I'm the only one left. And that always grieved my spirit. Because what I was hearing from students was not a call of God, an inner conviction, an inner compulsion that said, I can do nothing else in life but serve the Lord through the ministry of the local church. Listen, listen, friend. If, if the gentleman you're talking to, follow God committee, says to you, I just want to help people, there's a lot of professions that help people. Nurses, first responders, school teachers, a lot of professions that help people. If the man you're talking to says to you, well, well, you know, I just thought that my student pastor, he just had a sweet life, and I, I just wanted to, that would just be neat to be a student pastor. You, you run from that man. You look for the man who can say to you, follow God committee, you look for the man who can say to you, I know in my life that God said to me, he was calling me to spend the rest of my life as a preacher of the gospel, as a minister of the gospel, as a servant of the local church. You make sure he has an inner compulsion that drives him to the office of pastor. Because unless he has that inner compulsion, there'll be too many enticing opportunities to quit and walk away. There'll be too many Mondays where the local church is rough and tough. There'll be too many deacons meetings that are difficult to deal with. There'll be too many challenges that face the local church for a man who does not have a call of God to stick to the leadership in the ministry of the church. December 24th, 1978, I was seated in the balcony of First Baptist Church of Stark, Florida, I knew for the last two years in my life that God had been calling me to ministry. 
I was 16 when I first heard God call me to be a pastor. But I was not spiritually mature enough at 16 to say yes to the Lord. And so I tried as much as I possibly could to run from that calling. As a matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, from 16 to 18, if, if you had engaged me in conversation, you would have probably found my speech to be appalling. I, I could make sailors blush. It was all an attempt to run from what God was saying to my heart. But December 24th, 1978, I just finished my first quarter at the University of Florida. I was seated in the balcony. And the preacher was preaching and God started speaking to my heart. He said, Chuck, I'll let you do anything in life you want to do. But if you want to be happy, if you want your life to be filled with joy, if you want to have peace, you'll be a preacher of the gospel. The decision is yours. And ladies and gentlemen, at 18 years of age, on December 24th, 1978, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt there was only one path for me for the rest of my life, to preach and teach God's holy word. That's the kind of inner conviction that Paul is speaking of in this passage of Scripture. The call of God is a non-negotiable in the life of a pastor. But not only is the call of God a non-negotiable, but also want you to see in this passage of Scripture that he also must have character that counts. Character that counts. Come back and look with me beginning with verse 2. I want to show you something. An overseer then must be, the word must be there, ladies and gentlemen, speaks of an absolute necessity. Paul says to Timothy, what, what I'm about to say, they they, this pastor, the person who holds the office of pastor, he must possess this. This is not a suggestion. This is not a recommendation. This is not something that, that would make him a better minister if somehow he could garner these characteristics in his life. But, he, but Paul is saying they, they must be present. It is an absolute necessity that a pastor have the following character qualities. Now let me show you something quickly. Verse 2. An overseer then must be Above reproach. We're going to come back and look at all of these words over the next uh, few minutes or the next few weeks. Then uh, an overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable. Now look at this phrase, able to teach. Now I want to show you how important character is, ladies and gentlemen. You look at this passage from 1 Timothy chapter 3, and the only ministry action that Paul mentions to Timothy is the ability to teach. He doesn't say that pastors have, must have the ability to, to counsel church members. He, he doesn't say that pastors must have the ability to administrate the church. He doesn't say that pastors must have the ability uh, to be good pastoral caregivers. He mentions only one ministry action in this pastor's scripture, and it is the ability to teach God's holy word. Now, we're going to dig deep into that next week as we look at the pastor as preacher. What I need you to see in this passage of Scripture is that the rest of the qualifications do not deal with ministry action. They deal with the man's character. That's how important character is. Look at the phrase. 
Verse 2, an overseer then must be above reproach. That speaks of character. The husband of one wife, that speaks of character. Temperate, character. Prudent, character. Respectable, character. Hospitable, character. Look at verse 3. Not addicted to wine, character. Or pugnacious, character. But gentle, peaceable, character, character, character. Over again and over again in this passage of Scripture, Paul is saying to Timothy, a pastor must be a man who has character that counts. And so follow God committee, when you begin to look at men and examine men and talk with men and question men, you drill deep down to discover their character. If a man has the right character, he can learn to teach and preach. But if he doesn't have the right character, all of his powerful teaching and preaching will one day come to naught when the crack in his character is revealed. Ladies and gentlemen, the truth is, and I'll mention this in just a moment, the truth is there are all too many cracks in character being revealed in this day and age in the lives of preachers and teachers. We don't need a celebrity to stand behind the pulpit week in and week out who is a wonderful communicator if there's a crack in his character that one day will harm the bride of Christ, the church. And so follow God committee, when you, when you talk to people about this man that'll be our next pastor, when you do all of the background research with his references, you drill down and drill down and drill down to determine what is the character of this man. Now come back with me to this text. Let's, let's take a look more at character. There's a reason why character is so important. Verse 2, an overseer then must be above reproach. This word above reproach means you, you can't be apprehended. It, it's a legal term in the first century. It speaks of a legal accusation being made against someone and whether or not there's enough evidence of that accusation to apprehend them, to arrest them. What Paul is saying to Timothy is a pastor must have the man who has the kind of character that if someone lodges an accusation against their character, there'll never be enough evidence for an arrest to be made. Because his character is so strong, his character shines forth so brilliantly. No one will believe any accusation against this gentleman at all. Now, why is that so important? Keep your finger, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Come with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, you've already noticed that over the next several weeks, as we walk through this series, this is not going to be fluff Bible study. This is going to be deep stuff we're involved in. We're, we're going to look at very many passages of Scripture because it's important for the church body to understand the kind of man God wants to be your next pastor. Why is it so important for a pastor to have character that counts? Well, come with me, 1 Peter chapter 5. And look with me, we will, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you. The word elders has reference to who? The pastor. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you. Now, let me also stop here a moment so that you don't misunderstand. When I use the word pastor, I'm speaking of senior pastor. I'm speaking of worship pastor. I'm speaking of youth pastor. I'm speaking of student pastor. I'm speaking of children's pastor. Anyone who has the pastoral office for a congregation. So what we study today applies to Chuck. It applies to Jamie. It applies to Mark. All of us. Verse 1. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you 
as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God. We're going to study that phrase in a few weeks. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Verse 3, here's what I want you to hear me say today. Nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be, there's the word, examples to the flock. Why is it critical that a pastor have character that counts? Because he's to be an example to the flock. He's to be an example to senior adult men, and he's to be an example to teenagers, and he's to be an example to the children, and he's to be examples to mothers and fathers. Anyone in the congregation, the pastor is to be an example of how to live the Christ life. You, you can't be a worthy example if you have a crack in your character. You, you can't be a worthy example for others to follow if there's a ding in the character that you wear. The word example there is a word that literally means to be a pattern. How many of you ladies are, are mature enough? I won't use the three-letter word OLD. I'll just say how many of you ladies are mature enough that you remember sewing your own dresses and clothes for your family. You remember those days? I, I do. My mom's 87. I used to remember when mom and mom would make bathing suits for we three boys. We lived in Panama City, and we'd go to the beach, and mom always sewed our, our bathing suits. And here's what would happen. I was so young, I always had to go with mom, and, and we would go down to the Woolworth store in town, and we would go back to that uh, area of the store that had all of the cloth and the, the books of patterns. Ladies, do you remember those days? And you would select the pattern that you wanted and the material that you wanted, and you would go home. Now, you, you youngsters don't know anything about what I'm saying. You think only Target and Old Navy make clothes. All right? <laughs> Mother would take her, her material and she would lay it out all over the living room. The living room just became off limits to everybody. And then she would unfold tissue paper, lay it on the material, and she would cut around the tissue paper that was the pattern she had just purchased. And when she got through cutting around, that, that would be the front of a shirt or the back of a shirt. Or for our case, in, in swimming trunks, that would be the front of the swimming trunks or the back because she followed the pattern that was there. Here's what we're learning today. The pastor of the church, he should have such character that you can lay your life next to his and you can cut around the pattern of his life. And when you're through cutting around the pattern of his life and you hold up that image, you have the image of a spiritually mature follower of Jesus. His life is a pattern. His speech is a pattern. His thought process is a pattern. His priorities are a pattern. His marriage is a pattern. The way he rears his children is a pattern. Every aspect of his life is to be a pattern for the flock to be able to follow. That's why character is so important. And the challenge is, follow God committee, the challenge is sometimes we, we want to look for 
past glittery experience where, where a pastor has grown a church and the church has flourished more than we want to look at his character. Or we want to evaluate his pulpit performance. How does he sound when he stands in the pulpit to preach? More than we evaluate his character. Or we want to make sure that he has the right educational lineage or the right look that the congregation expects more than we examine his character. And what I'm saying to you this morning is this. The call of God is a non-negotiable in the life of a pastor. And right next to the call of God, there is character, 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 character that is critical. Follow God committee, you go find us a man who has conviction in his heart that God has called him to shepherd a congregation. And a man whose character, every way you evaluate it, turns out to be sterling. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's so much more to this sermon. We're, we're going to come back and get part two next week. There's just so much here. And it's such an important message to embrace. You know how a pastor's life has character that's sterling? It's sterling because he's had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ has changed his life, changed his heart. When that happens, character begins to change as well. Yesterday, Charlene and I were driving back from Florida. Telephone rang, and I looked at my phone. It was my nephew, Brian. Brian's 28, 30 years of age. I answered the phone. He said, Uncle Chuck, you got a few minutes to talk? I said, sure, Brian. He said, I just want to tell you what God's been doing in my life. And for the next 45 minutes, he told me his words, God has changed my heart. And he's changed my life. That gives us character. Character that's sterling. Character that's sound. It only happens when we meet Jesus. I wonder this morning if there's someone here who needs to trust Christ as their Lord and Savior. You need to meet Jesus. You know in the inner recesses of your heart where no one else can see, there's a crack in your character. You desperately need the Lord Jesus Christ to mold and shape you into the person he longs for you to be. Would you come this morning when we stand to sing in a moment and would you just say, Chuck, today I want to give my life to Jesus. I need to meet Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here and your church membership is somewhere else and God is leading you to be a part of this church family. Would you come on promise of letter? Just say, my family and I, we want to join Emmanuel Baptist Church. We'll handle all the details involved. If you'll just come. Maybe you want to come to this altar and pray and just lift up our Follow God committee, our pastor search team. That They will go about their business looking for a man who has a call from God and character that counts to be our next pastor. Father, would you, would you take control of this moment of invitation? Would you, would you call men and women into your kingdom through faith in Christ? Would you call some to be a part of this church family? Would you call us all to lift up our pastor search team in prayer? Father, show them the man you've chosen who has a call from you to be a pastor. And he has character that counts. 
I pray that you would move in this moment in a way that glorifies yourself. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Dr. Chuck Register, interim pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and free access to other messages, visit us on the web at ebcraleigh.com.